Tell us about your Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. Ryan Dunnigan's in a faraway location. Yeah, yeah, I'm, in, I'm currently in Italy right now. My girlfriend and I are visiting her family. And um, I'm not my girlfriend anymore, my fiance, actually. Mm-hmm. So uh, visiting her family in Italy, part, part of her family in Italy. And I'm not going to, I'm going to stop there because I don't want this to turn into, our trip's going great. We saw the ruins. We did this. I haven't, we're not going to do that. People are here to hear my suicide squad. So I'm just letting you know there's a time difference. So if Spencer's all chipper and awake because he's a very big morning person, I've been <laughs> walking around the scorching heat all day and about to pass out. So that's just. Well, you know, I feel like if I was in Italy, like, I don't think I would care about as much the historical stuff. Not saying that wouldn't be cool, but I feel like I'd be like, hey, uh, where's all like the spaghetti Western type stuff? I know lots of shot in Spain, but like, you know, there's still got to be like kind of remnants of that kind of stuff around there, you know, or I'd be that guy who would also be like looking at like be, be all the way in Italy. You know, it's like the thing that like most parents would be like, oh, my gosh, we're all right here. We could see all this stuff and so on. And, and what's he doing? He's looking for a fucking retro video game shop somewhere. <laughs> Uh, to bring it back to Suicide Squad, I actually did walk by a comic book store, and they had an amazing selection. A lot of books that I was looking for for a while. Mm-hmm. It's just too bad they're all in fucking Italian. Yeah, so, yeah th- th- that's the only downfall is then you'd get that. But like, I feel like that's what I, that's almost what I would be looking for is like the weird shit that I could find that I couldn't get somewhere else. You know. Just reading some 90s cable with uh, Google Translate out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, just something like, or it would just be kind of cool if you just had like some Italian kind of like posters and so on like that. That would be kind of neat. But um, yeah, that, yeah, we haven't would... been around. Yeah, I, I do. I would like to see some spaghetti Western stuff, but I'm not sure how far or close that is to yeah, us. As, as I'll said... be honest, I don't want to. I don't want to drive too far because. People drive like fucking psychos around here. It's like a game of Mario Kart when you whenever you get on the street. Yeah, it's so so weird how that is. It's like you you realize how civilized America is once you go to like <laughs> other places in the world, and you're just like, oh, they just they just literally just have like way almost like too much freedom in the wrong direction. It's still pretty cool here. I'm just not a fan of the driving aspect. But as far as uh, the Suicide Squad goes. Bring it back to that. Yeah, um, we're going to the Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. It's almost like they refer to it as Suicide Squad Two, but it's realistically like Suicide Squad Three because it's technically that like Harley Quinn and like the you know the whatever like long ass title getting to like the sirens or not the sirens but the um, uh, birds of prey. Birds of prey. Like you know, like that technically is almost like a Suicide Squad Two because it it sort of has that same feel and tone. I mean, stars in a sense. I guess you would say. Weirdly enough, your Suicide Squad main character. That, but at the same time, I still feel like this one. I feel like this. You could watch this movie separate, separate from the other two, just like the Harley Quinn movie. I feel like you can watch that separate from the other two as well. Oh Even yeah, though there yeah, are yeah. things clearly tying it together. And this one felt more like I could definitely see the obvious connections between the original Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn, and this. But at the same exact time, I also felt like that one, um, or this one particularly. I mean, it's obvious because his name's on it. It's hard not to notice it, but it had that R-rated Guardians of the Galaxy kind of vibe more. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's how they, they're, they're all like standalone stories, but they are kind of like connected characters and so on like that. And um, yeah, no, this one is, I mean, 100%. Like, it, it literally just feels like, that's almost like I feel like, hey, James, you want to do, I mean, I know you got booed off Guardians of the Galaxy, but here you come to DC, you could pretty much do the Guardians of the Galaxy, but now you don't have, like, you know, the Disney Mickey Mouse gloves on anymore. Do whatever the fuck you want just so we can, it's, it's almost our way to sort of, like, say, fuck you to Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, that's sort of what kind of has that feeling. I mean, yeah, almost in a weird way that it feels very Guardians of the Galaxy, and I guess that's not too bad. 
But you know what I mean? It does kind of like maybe it, it does give it that feeling. You, you know what I mean? It's like you, you know what you're in for. I mean, shit, it's got like half the actors from Guardians of the Galaxy in it. Well, here's the thing about it, too, though, when you think about it, because they have this whole roster. And I, we're, we're getting into spoilers here. When you, when you get, get to the whole movie in general, go, Suicide Squad is we all hate each other. We have to work together just because we have to. And then if push comes to shove, if it's you or me, we're going to kill each other because that's just how this whole thing works. But um, it could also go to the direction where this went, where it was something to the effect of like, oh, you know what? We uh, do kind of like care for each other by the end. Not everybody because some people screw each other over and kill each other horribly. But at the exact same time, you're kind of getting one or the other. And this one goes more of the... Some people are bad, but some people aren't as bad as we thought. Yeah, it does have that. And I mean, I will say, like, when this movie sort of started off, I was kind of having sort of mixed feelings. Because it's weird because it's like, I think about in the very first Suicide Squad live action movie. That We're movie, going the same direction. I know it. Well, no, well, not necessarily that, but that movie starts off like the first 45 minutes of that movie. This is like kind of the weird thing about it are like extremely good. Like that movie has like a, a great start. And that's the thing is I remember just being like, you know, every single time you watch it, you're like, dude, this is so fucking good. This might be like one of the best DC movies they've ever put out and someone like that. And then you get kind of like to the main mission in that one. And it's not that it goes bad, but then it just kind of peters down to like an OK movie, you know, and then just rides that OK movie for the rest of it. So it's like you start off so high and then it's like this like. You're just kind of floating now, like, down here. It's just like, huh, now this just kind of feels like those, like, you know, sort of like, I always feel like kind of like the offshoot sort of superhero movies. Like, you know what I mean? Just the ones that sort of come out, and you see them anyways, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. th- yeah. th- that should have been more amazing than it really was, you know? I mean, like, almost kind of like a Venom, though I'll still say I, I like Suicide Squad more than Venom. But, you know, like, you know, kind of in those, those the extra kind of superhero ones and but the odd one is when this one sort of started off i was almost like it had the other way around where it was like i don't know it was like at first it's like had a lot of dumb jokes in it and so i'm like oh I, I don't know is this what we're getting into is it going to be kind of retarded and so on like that you know and then it's kind of showing their first roster and you got like you know harley quinn squad you know and they get michael rooker and they got they got all these huge actors because then they also have uh what's his name fucking green lantern in there uh well green lantern animated green lantern um Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, Nathan Fillion's in there. Um, oh, Nathan Fillion. Yeah, that's right. And Pete Davidson from SNL, basically. Yeah, so they got all these people in there and so on. But it's it's kind of it's kind of weird at this point. And then it's like they kill off Captain Boomerang right off the bat. And then I was I was almost yeah. like well, that for me kind of it like put like a sour taste in my mouth. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I might not like this movie now. Like that was like what I was thinking for like the first like you know. 10 minutes after that 15 minutes i was just like oh, i don't know it's like it's got dumb jokes they killed cat they killed the best suicide squad member off already in the beginning they pulled pulled almost like the mortal Kombat 2 i'm not saying that johnny cage maybe the best character but that kind of feeling and then um and then it's like you get to the second team and so on and then as that kind of goes on i then i started really getting into it and I actually started really enjoying it well going off the of captain boomerang too because i'll be captain boomerang because i was like watching the because, you know, I was like, oh, cool, they brought Captain Boomerang back. And then not thinking much about it. And then as the movie's coming closer and closer, I was watching the trailer, and I'm like, I'm not seeing Captain Boomerang a whole lot in this. I'm not seeing, seeing him standing next to Idris Elba. I'm not seeing him stand next to King Shark. I'm mm-hmm. not. I, I think they're going to do a bait and switch on me. I'm not entirely sure. And then when they had that whole team, and the only reoccurring characters I saw a lot in the trailers was Rick Flagg, uh, Harley Quinn, and then everybody else, 
you don't see at any point in the trailer. And I was like, oh, I know what they're going to do here. Okay. So I was kind of like almost kind of preparing myself for that. And here's the thing. I did not want him to die because that, like you, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite Flash villains. And it's also one of my favorite members of the Suicide Squad. So that was like immediately like, mm, not, not, not stopping, not stepping off with the right foot here. But at the exact same time, though, I, I, I kind of thought about it for a minute. Like, all right, well, just in the context of these movies, of all the characters who had the least amount to do in the first one, who was that? Captain Boomerang. He, he barely did anything. Well, that's the, the thing, though, is that, that makes you feel like, oh, sweet, they're going to fucking give Captain Boomerang. Because I feel like Jai Courtney also kind of kills that Captain Boomerang and so on. So it's like, oh, they're going to give him his due here. And then it's like, yeah, they, they pulled. I mean, I get what they're doing. They're throwing a bunch of big actors or somewhat bigger actors right off the bat. And then they're just going to kill them all off like one of those kind of I, like I get that part. But it's like. I feel like if there was, could you just switch Captain Boomerang with anybody else? I don't, I don't care. Shit, have Harley Quinn get killed off. I know that'd piss everybody else off. But as long as Captain Boomerang's there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Apparently, the Flash movie is going to do another reboot, so we'll see what happens. We'll have Captain Boomerang back, and yeah, um, yeah people, it's they're either they love Captain Boomerang or they fucking hate Captain Boomerang. I mean, even the the new uh, the uh, new Fifty Two writer for Flash, I don't think ever used him at all. So it's like one of those things, like it's a real give or take kind of thing. Uh, the animated universe stuff, they love him. They utilize him greatly. Yeah. Um, I think some people but, think he's corny because he's, he's throwing boomerangs. You know what I mean? But I think that's almost what makes him more badass. You know, is the fact well, that. It, it, yeah. I was just saying because he, he has a weird kind of like gimmick, but that gimmick almost works in a, in a very. I don't know. It's almost just kind of cool. I don't know. I, I don't even think boomerangs are corny. I think boomerangs are kind of sweet. Well, I don't even think his powers or his ability is that cool. I just think he's a funny character. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of all the Flash villains that he's like the one, like, because, you know, they're all like, you know, Blue they all have a code. And... Yeah, and even though he kind of has a little bit of that code, too, to an extent, he's probably the shittiest of them all. So, and he's also probably the funniest of them all. It's more his personality that makes me like that character so much. His, his ability's all right. It's cool. But it's more his character why I like him. You, you and, know, I, I guess we sort of got our Captain Boomerang on screen for a long while. Is really like the Kano in fucking that, the Mortal Kombat like 3 movie. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, that's even better version. Because yeah, that, that was sort of like, it felt like that Kano was, because that's the best part of that movie is by far is Kano. And that almost felt like he was Kano sort of almost, I know Kano and Captain Boomerang are kind of similar, but you know, Captain Boomerang, I guess, is technically older. So you could kind of say it had almost that Captain Boomerang feel to him. Yeah. Um, and the rest of the team, though, once we got to the rest of the team that was there, like, mm-hmm. I, I, the whole, I found myself enjoying the whole movie. I do think the beginning was the slowest part. But then once they probably got to that camp, like, I was enjoying the scenes of Idris Elba, uh, you know, because I do like that bait and switch where, like, what, what uh, like Amanda, Amanda Waller knows Rick Flag, worked with Rick Flag a whole bunch of times, knowingly sending him to his death on the diversion mission. Yeah. So that right there was already kind of a Jesus. That's like that this because the first movie, it's like Amanda Waller has like a, a bigger purpose of what she wants to do. She just has really cold hearted means of doing it. This one is just like, no, nah, she's a full on bad guy. She's probably worse than a lot of the villains are fighting. And that's why I, I always thought Amanda Waller was a really interesting character. I mean, yeah. I, well, she's not really even a bad stuff. guy. It's just she doesn't let a emo- she really just doesn't let emotion get in the way of like the mission at hand. She's like the person who 
she does what her mission is to the fullest. It's like she she's not gonna cry over someone dying or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like I think that's sort of the difference. It's not necessarily that she's a bad guy. It's just she oh, does... she's a bad guy. She's she's a bitch. She's she's a well, bad guy. I'm, I'm saying like, but that's like you know, what I mean is like for what she's doing, like it's like one of those ones like you know like. You know, if your fucking feelings aren't like what her problem is. You know what I mean? She's she's there to get the mission done. You know, no matter what. You know, at any cost. That's she's that kind of character. But at the exact same time, you could use that logic. Like, why? What's stopping her from dropping Bloodsport onto the expendable team and using Rick Flag for the other one? It's kind of like you know, it's like the idea that she like even her own people are expendable. Oh, she yeah. doesn't give a shit. Exactly. The idea, the, but the idea of it being. Um, the example I was going to make, like in, they're, they're in, the, in certain comics and certain animated series, she has a turnaround. In this one, there is no turnaround. And it's more of like she's more focused on America's interest than she is in even stopping Starro or anything else like that. Like she's almost more concerned about getting the file out and extracting that before using anything else. That's almost more of her main goal here. So, I mean, I think she's a great character, but this one really nails home that like, yeah, this is she's you can't deal with her like you can in other things. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's one of those ones like I, I get the mission that like at hand. You can't let that information get out. You have to like kind of destroy it. That's why I feel like I'm actually on John Cena's character. I felt like I was 100 percent on his side during this like whole like scuffle they have towards the end because it's just like one of those ones like, no, that's that stuff can't get out to the public. What are you crazy? Like they can't handle that kind of stuff. Like I got John Cena's part like really well. That was probably my favorite character in the whole movie. He he took over for the for the loss of Captain Boomerang. I felt like I got John Cena to make up for it. Oh, he's getting his own show. I know. I heard the, about uh, that, too. Max. Yeah. You saw the little teaser at the end. Yeah. That off. So, yeah. So that, that, that I, I'm very excited about because the John Cena character was one of those ones like that was totally awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, even like I thought like because part of me when I heard Idris Elba was going to be in this is like, OK, cool. He's going to be Crim- he's going to be um, Bronze Tiger. So I was really excited. Like, oh, he's playing this mat- miscellaneous Superman villain that I almost forgot existed. Yeah. And um, I was like, OK. I mean, it seems like you just couldn't use you trying to find a replacement for Deadshot, which they, they were. But well, I, I think time, originally they were going to go old school movie style where he was literally just going to come in and play Deadshot. I thought maybe for a minute, but then I was just well, like, that's, what, that's what the original plan was, actually. Oh, I they mean, they were? Yeah, that, that was actually it. They were, they were just going to do like, you know, back in the day when you, you lose one actor, you just kind of get another actor, but it's the exact same character. You know, maybe he didn't want to do an American accent. Well, it was that, and then they also said, they're like, well, what if we want to bring Deadshot back again, and we want to use Will Smith? Uh, let's just uh, make a brand new character, or use a different character. Yeah. I guess they probably didn't, like, and we didn't put him through all the martial arts training to be Bronze Tiger, so here we are. Um, but, he, you know, he could still fight. He, we, 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 you know, mm-hmm. he was still a brawler in Hobbs and Shaw, so it could still work. Yeah. But um, even in this, though, like, I still thought, he won me over, though. Not that, I mean, I, I was already kind of won oh, yeah. over by him, because... Idris Elba is just a badass. Yeah, he's he's he's, but, he's already a great actor, so it doesn't matter what he's in. And he's already like he's an ex, I think, like kickboxer, so or ex UFC fighter before he was an actor. So he's already got all that shit down. Um, so the fact that when he was coming in, I was like, okay, well, regardless of who he is, it's a win. It just seems like a weird choice, but I did like the spectrum because usually the Suicide Squad is mostly Batman villains, but mm-hmm. this one, like, okay, you got an Aquaman villain. You got a couple Batman villains, of course, and you got a Superman villain. So, you know, on the head of the team right there. So I thought that was pretty awesome. 
Yeah, Zach, and I also like how they even threw in the, like, oh, yeah, he's the guy, you know, shot Superman at, like, some point during one of the other movies we never saw, you know? I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, let's kind of throw that little thing in there and so on. That's how he got in the prison and whatnot. And, um, I mean, he's the character who's kind of, like, I mean, he's very much, I guess, like the Deadshot where he's he's going to, well, I guess a little bit different, but still. He's, like, the kind of guy who's, like, he's doing what he needs to to get done, you know, for the job. He's not necessarily, like, a bad guy, bad guy, you know what I mean? But um, it's, like, almost like whatever the contract says, you know, he'll go for it, kind of, that whole ideal. Well, even, like, the whole part with him and um, there's the whole thing he has with his daughter where you think, like, oh, okay, the guy with the the, the hitman with the daughters, with the daughter he loves. Oh, no, he's a shitty dad. He's he's a neglectful dad. So they totally kind of flip that on its head. You didn't even see that coming right there. I was like, okay, he's going to – I mean, yeah, part of him cares about his daughter. But he's just like, look, I'm a piece of shit. I'm no good for her. So I'm just going to push her away, keep her away, let her raise herself because she's better off that way than me. And then coming around, he steps up when he has to. So watching this movie, I I know he's probably drastically different in the comics, and I've never read a comic with him in it, at least not one that I can remember. Well, yeah, um, because that's the thing is I never saw that. Even when I try to look that character up, there was, like, little to no information on him. Like, so I I feel like if he is in something, he must only be in, like, like a book or something, if that's it. I think he's in a couple of things. I found more stuff on him, and I want to say – Maybe they used him in the New 52 for a second, but I want to say they're just like, okay, who's similar and who can we replace with them? So I think that was the yeah. mind space. But um, no, I thought that, yeah, he definitely stole the show. And then, you know, King Shark, that's another character that everyone's all talking about. And I thought King Shark was pretty good. I know they changed them from other things, but, you know, King Shark, he's either big and dumb or he's the awkward, nerdy black dude in Harley Quinn, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, well, it's like I thought the King Shark kind of kind of worked because you know it's, he's he's there just for like good violence and stuff. I mean, he, he does kind of have some dumb lines at first, but it's like I don't know what it is this is one of those weird movies that like after about the twenty minute mark, the dumb lines. I mean, there's still some you know throughout it where it's just like they throw. It almost just feels like they get like a fifteen year old to come in and like throw out something stupid, you know, like to put in there. But for the most part, it kind of irons itself out almost from like those dumb lines, and they actually start becoming pretty solid ones as it kind of goes on farther. And then he even becomes kind of good. It's kind of weird you got Stallone. I feel like that that must have been kind of a hard one to talk Stallone. In. Okay, Stallone, um, you're gonna play a shark. Well, that's cool. The shark's kind of retarded, though. Well, that's why I guess. Are you saying that I'm retarded? <laughs> uh, no, Stallone. We're, we're not saying the, the shark's retarded, but you, you're going to play it. So if I'm a shark, I'm a retarded shark is what you're saying. You calling me a retarded shark? <laughs> he just comes in. Like, it's like, well, this is kind of like, that's when he starts yelling. Like that scene in Rambo when he breaks down. I'm like, good, he's doing it. This is just what we need. Okay, you got the recorder going, right? We're going to use that somewhere in here. <laughs> well, it's even like, because that's, I think it's kind of funny that he's doing that because, you know, people, because Sylvester Sloan is way smarter than people credit him for, but yeah. he says that, hey, and I think it's funny that this is like a movie that would have come out, like, I think it's going for the vibe of like uh, 80s or even 70s, like war film. And the idea of like, you know, let's get Stallone in here. Not only let's get Stallone, but let's let some play like the stereo, like beyond the stereotype everyone makes of him. And he's just like, yeah, sure, why not? I like James Gunn. You haven't got around to Guardians yet. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it's that. Well, because it's one of those ones, like, because at first I saw his name in the credits, and I was like, okay, I wonder if he'll be like on the Corto Maltese, like somewhere in there. And then it was just about like a moment of the movie. I was like, wait a second. I think Stallone's the shark. I think he's playing King Shark. 
And it's, cause, oh, cause, wait cause, a minute. Um, go ahead, yeah. Oh, because I was just going to say, because, you know, it's like, it's almost like he's got sort of a filter over his voice. Like, it doesn't sound like 100% like Stallone at first, you know? But then there'll be just like moments like, oh, no, that, there's, there's the Stallone. But it, you know what I mean? It's like, it must just been like, hey, you know how popular Groot was? It's like, you'll be like Groot, but with like, you know, dialogue. Murder. Yeah, and murder, <laughs> murder Groot. He basically is. I'm kind of, I am sort of seeing the archetypes for different characters. I mean, you know, um, uh, wep- like weapon wise, maybe, but like archetype, like Bloodsport is way different than like Peter Quill, Star Lord. But I do see like kind of like, all right, well, this is kind of a standing character for this over here or that. I, I somebody who I was, I was at first, I was like, oh, you're doing that guy. Okay, I see what you're doing here. There's some things this movie does where it's trying to like flip your expectations and it flips them again. Like I was so confident that Polka Dot Man was going to make it out of the movie just because he is such like a weird, random, obscure character that they hardly ever use. If they do use them, it's as a joke. Yeah. So I was so obscure that I like, flip your expectations and assume he's one of the ones that's going to die. So when he's there, like, oh, he's here. Not only that, he's like one of the most sympathetic characters of the movie. And that's the thing about it because it's like, this movie, this movie goes out of the way to like, oh, they're not all villains. Some of them are villains. Some of them are people with just superpowers, and they probably fucked up at some point, and they have nowhere else to put them other than Bell Reeves. So here they are. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a mixed match of between villains, you know, antiheroes, um, you know, people that just kind of made one mistake. Because that's almost like how you know Ratcatcher Two sort of is like. It's more just like here's this kind of like hobo girl who had a hobo father. For some reason, I like, I like how it's like a, like it's a hobo father, but he invented this thing that nobody else could have thought of. He talks to rats, you know. I always think that's kind of funny, but that that character still get like, more heroin. Yeah, yeah, getting up with this pretty much like that. Like we need to get more heroin. But um, in a sense, it's like one of those ones that's like you know probably if you know circumstance were different, but you know she she wouldn't be in prison. She could actually be a superhero, but she actually just, just you know just always kind of been pouring on the street. So, you know, you, you do the only thing you turn to, and it's like, hey, I got rats. We can go rob a bank. <laughs> well, even, like, the way they did, uh, like, Could, I, like going back to guard, the, not, um, the, guard, um, the, uh, the Guardians uh, of the Suicide Squad? Peace, Guardians of uh, Pe- Peacemaker, Peacemaker. Like, even going back to him for a second, I kind of like how he's just, like, this crazy patriot, and he has, like, those dark I love peace. I don't yeah. care how many women, how many men, women, and children have to kill to get it. Like, like a lot of that kind of humor in the movie, and there's even the part when Bloodsport and um, Bloodsport and Peacemaker are having this competition of who can do the coolest kills. And there's that part where he walks by one dude, just looking at him, not breaking eye contact, like stabs some dude sleeping like 15 <laughs> times, just walking by. And then they realize, oh, this is the good guy camp. Yeah, I love that because then they go, they go in there and they finally they, they like murder all these people, they even shoot a guy's fucking dick off and everything like that. Just I felt like that was just there to be like, yeah, we fucking did that in a DC movie, just fucking big old wiener hanging out. And then there's even the one dude like watching TV or something. They shoot like a fan. The fan lands on his dick, and then they shoot something else lands on his head. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. get so creative with the kills in this. Well, and then there's even oh, go ahead, yeah. Oh no, no, you keep going. Well, also the fact, I mean, I already know that it's it's not surprising to me that James Gunn knows his comic book stuff. But I was like, Cortel Maltese? Oh, the place from from Dark, da- from Dark Knight Returns. All right, all right. I mean, I know they referenced it in 1989 Batman. It wouldn't surprise me the least bit if they referenced it in other uh, Batman uh, comics or other DC comics in general. But I was like, okay, Cortel Maltese, right on, right on. All right. I, I was like, that's a... That's well, not the deepest cut, but still, for the average audience, a pretty deep cut. Yeah, no, I, I thought that worked as a good location to kind of have that at, because in a sense, like, 
though you always hear about Corto Maltese, I feel like I don't remember ever kind of being there. Other than like, there's that one scene where Superman and Dark Knight Returns is kind of like throwing shit at it, like lifting a tank or something. Yeah, like exactly. Like yeah, he's lifting the tank, and I thought, for some reason I thought he was throwing like a ship over or something. But maybe I'm drawing a blank. But um, he may have done that in the animated movie, maybe even in the book. It's been a minute since. Yeah, that's like, yeah, for sure. I just have a picture in my head of, of him like flipping a ship, but that could be anything. But um. So I thought that made for a perfect location to kind of have it on and so on. I do like when they're after they do all that, that kill spree in the camp and so on. And then they open up and then they realize like, oh, shit, there's Rick Flagg there. Wait a second. This was the resistance and so on. They just like murdered them all out there. And it's got the chick from uh, Predator 3 is kind of running the oh, resistance. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought. I'm like, well, wait a second. I haven't seen her in a while. Yeah, yeah. She's in a... She's been in stuff. Oh, but, yeah, I'm, know, I'm saying like, she's obviously probably in tons of stuff. But you know what I mean? Like, that's like the mm-hmm. that's what I always think of her as is Predator 3. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I get you. Um, what's I going to say? Uh, yeah, Rick Flagg, I thought they did more with him in this movie. I kind of liked because before he was just the guy on, like... He's just a guy who had a weird girlfriend. He's just like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. She, had a weird, she, had, she had a thing for belly dancing, and that was it, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, that's his, that's his girlfriend. He wants to save his girlfriend. This, I thought they gave a lot more to him. I even kind of liked his look a lot more. He looked like he was an 80s action hero. Yeah, well, because Rick Flagg, uh, you know, and the other one was kind of like, he was sort of just the generic, like, here's the guy who holds the, the, the mission plot together, and that's about generally what he is. Not saying that he's, like, technically bad, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's sort of what he felt like. He was just there, like, you know, he's just that centerpiece, and everybody else around him is going to be it, but they actually kind of made him, like, oh, no, no, he's the leader character. He's more definitive. He's got more charisma and stuff going on here. And then um, what I really actually like, too, is the fact that Harley Quinn did not, like, override this. Because that's always kind of the downfall is whenever you get the Harley Quinn in there, it really just becomes the Harley Quinn show. I mean, the second Suicide Squad movie, well, the Birds of Prey one, that one almost kind of, like, defines, like, literally it's the Harley Quinn show. It, like, it practically says that in the title, like, over and over. You know, where in this one, it's nice because she's there. But she's almost not really even the main character. I mean, I guess she probably has some of the main kind of... She has her moments, of course. But it's not like she's there like 90% of the time. She actually kind of disappears for quite a while. We focus a lot on the other story. And then she kind of just has like the B story of the film. Yeah, well, even going back to Harley Quinn and the DC uh, live-action movies for a second. She even like... Birds of Prey, I like. I like that movie. But the thing is, my biggest problem with it is it's called Birds of Prey. Yep. If it was called Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey happen to hop into it, that'd be fine. Uh, that, my biggest problem with the movie, aside from um, uh, Batgirl, uh, Cassandra Kane, is just the title. And beyond that, it's, you know, a, a fun movie. But this one, you're right, because she does come in, she does... Does she does do a good? She they do expand on her, and they do like I kind of like how they have like this almost this five ten minute build up to this joke of like she's in like a romance novel, and all this stuff is happening, and like oh is that what? And she before when the guys in the middle of his bad guy speech, she shoots him. Like I'm sorry, red dead kids are a red flag. Which I thought the only thing I will say though is like I felt like that felt like I don't think I, I feel Harley Quinn. You know what I mean? If you're with the Joker, shooting a kid ain't a big deal. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of feels like that's probably day one of like you get the job as like a Joker goon. Be like, okay, you got to shoot a kid. What? Uh, it's just you know, you, you, I, when the time comes, I want you to be prepared. I know. <laughs> you know you what I mean? Like I, I felt like that was a little bit like it, it sounded it sounded weird. That I felt like 
I, I mean, I, I know because like Harley Quinn's. Well, we know how those relationships we we know how those relationships turned out. Like, uh, every bad relationship ever been in, somebody wants to kill a kid. So, yeah, that's probably that's one of the patterns. Well, I know what I feel like they've kind of because Harley Quinn's become the more popular she gets, and it's almost the fact that I think become popular with like little girls and so on. They almost have to do that thing like, whoa, 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 let's make her more of an anti-hero, not necessarily a supervillain like she used to be. And I think that's kind of. Like the, the the turning point, like it sounded weird, like that part. Even though the scene kind of works, I felt that was like it, it gave like this thing. I was like, eh, I don't. I think the really the real Harley Quinn wouldn't have a problem like doing that. I mean, I don't think she's gonna kill any kid, but that wouldn't that you know what I mean? Like she's a psychopath. Like mm-hmm. that's not gonna you 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 don't have like you know what I mean? The, I feel like she would follow in the Joker's footsteps no matter what, and Joker has no problem doing anything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, like I that, think, that, that, I mean, I do think the, the build up to that, though, is still kind of funny how it's like they primed her. Which one of those ones, like, let's be honest, like, if you're the, you know, the king of like Corto Maltese or whatnot, like, you're going to take some loony from fucking, like, you know, the East Coast and, like, marry her? Like, you, you should know that this was a terrible idea. Well, I mean, kind of like, so many people hate me. He's like, did you show them the birds? like a lot of the small lines like that like i never really i always liked margot robbie as harley quinn but just i just feel like harley quinn as a character was a character who got overshined and pushed in the front of the line of so many other things for so long i was just getting a little tired of it yeah but i feel like they finally i think with the with um i thought she always did a good job well yeah she she always was like fine but, but with this movie and the animated and the harley quinn animated series they finally kind of really toned her like they've really kind of like to like uh tuned her in to like what she should be and what she could be in the dc universe and i think that works yeah. i think she works as an anti-hero she's even been an anti-hero recently in the comics more like she's well, been, yeah, she's Batman, been like that the for James like the last Finian. 10 years she's kind of been pushed more into like a like you know almost like a deadpool kind of like that, that's that's how i always yeah. feel like she was kind of after the animated series and so on like that she was almost kind of like designed to be you know dc's deadpool it's DC's female mm-hmm. Deadpool. That's what I kind of feel like what it was. You know, and at first I remember because those first books were kind of like, well, it's Deadpool, but it's PG-13 Deadpool. So I don't know, it's, there's something, it feels like something's missing, you know, but as time has gone on, they've kind of got her into that. And I, I kind of get that's where it sort of goes to, you know, and so on. But I'm saying in this movie, it is nice that she, she does not overshadow the movie. It doesn't become the Harley Quinn show. Yeah. Oh, something I wanted to mention about, but then I got sidetracked with something else, uh, Polkadot Man. Oh, yeah. I thought they did a good job with him because when, when they when they first when he was first in the movie, I'm like I knew there was gonna be some weird jokes with him and all that. But I thought they, I don't remember there being like any kind of like body horror with him in the comics. Maybe there was, maybe the more recent one. Mm-hmm. But I thought that worked, and the whole idea of him being just this guy like there's a whole part where he's all like there's because the whole because when the third act and they're going in to destroy the um, um, the, the tower. Yeah, the... and there's that dude built in with him the whole time. He's there, but he barely says anything. He's just the guy there with him. Oh. And then like, like they killed Milton. <laughs> he's like the one guy sad. They killed Milton. And he's like, who's Milton? Like, I, I swear, I think I have the name you hear too often. I think I remember <laughs> a guy named Milton. Like, he was oh the empanada guy. Yeah, oh, Milton. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, well, what I love about that joke too is that because that guy's he's placed in those scenes for a while, but they never ever make any notion of who that guy is just all because i remember sitting there going like who the hell is this other guy just running around with them the whole time like i liked how they brought no attention to it like in the movie like for you know 20 minutes that he's there and then all of a sudden he's just brutally murdered and like they yeah, have a polka dot man just like dude it's built in he's the guy brought the empanadas 
<laughs> well, there's even the part when, like, when they're walking in the rain, they're playing Hey by the Pixies, mm-hmm. and you see them all looking cool, walking in rain in slow motion. In the far, far distance, if you look, you'd still see Milton walking with him. <laughs> so yeah. he's still going to be part of that shop. It's like, there he is, Milton. No lines almost. Yeah, exactly. I, I like that part there. No, the, the polka dot man, I think the fact that, like, they're like, you know, he was experimented on by his mother, so he just, like, to, like, envision everybody. He just sees everybody as, like, his mother and so on like that. And that's how almost, like, he's not a bad guy, but he, he wants to kill his mom. So, like, he'll kill anything that he envisions as his mom if need be. Yeah, and he just has trouble like bottling it all in. And there's a whole part with like, yeah, I just yeah, I just felt so bad for that guy. But he was a great character though, and I thought they utilized Starro pretty well too. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of cool to finally see Starro in like you know a big movie and so on like that too. Because I was just you know you always see a Starro. That's the very first Justice League comp book. You know, that's like who are they battling? They're battling Starro. You know, from outer space to Conqueror. You know, and just the fact that I'm like, yeah, that could work kind of well as a Suicide Squad character and so on like that. You know, and it's just like he's been trapped here, you know, being experimented on in Corto Maltese, you know, as a secret kind of like, you know, American base. And the whole point of the mission is the Suicide Squad's going there to destroy all the evidence and, you know, make sure that nobody knows that, you know, the Americans were like, you know, they're the ones that brought Starro in. Because I was like, there's that shot, like, it's like in the 80s or whatever. There's like this, like, this space, you know, guys, they're like hanging out, like taking pictures of like, like, hey, look what we found out here. Yeah, the thing is, like, spits a little, like, baby Starro's out and the more, more, people it gets the bigger it gets and i was surprised the level i knew the movie was going to be violent well, that's... and like not so i, well, I knew it was gonna be violent and mm-hmm. gory i knew all that was going to happen but to the level of like when they go into the underground lab and you see all the experiments and there's the dude who they ripped the starro fit they ripped the starro off the guy's face and you saw a bunch of his meat muscle his meat muscle and teeth and all that and gums and like i was like oh shit you guys went the full distance you went hostile well, that's like the, almost the best part of this movie more than anything else is this movie delivers so well on the violence, whether it be the action violence, just the background kind of violence, just like the horror movie almost violence. Like that that's almost like one of the coolest like things of this. This probably is the, like the most violent, you know, obviously the most violent DC and Marvel movie probably ever made. Yeah, I'd say this definitely probably maybe uh, Punisher Warzone might have it tops. I know oh, this yeah, has Punisher. a shark. Yeah, this has a shark ripping a dude in half, but Warzone, I mean, there's literally a part where you see a grandma missing half her head, so... Well, and I'll say, I think Punisher Warzone has less CG violence than this one does. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that... Because Punisher Warzone almost has a lot, like, like kind of, like, realistic prosthetic type stuff. This one does, too, but you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of CG violence, too. Mm-hmm. Well, even to the point, like... What was the example I was going to make? Um, like, even, like, a lot of the King Shark stuff. Like, it's very quick, but when it happens, it happens brutally. Yeah, exactly. Just and I just like how King Shark's just going around, just eating people randomly, and just like it's he's a shark. He doesn't know, and you know he's kind of getting smarter as time goes on. But you know he still just wants to go out and eat and kill and so on. And, and he just kind of has like the kind of like the like sort of like the dopey like kind of almost like a dopey kind of fat guy, like that that fat guy who's kind of strong, but like also like he doesn't. It's like the guy who goes in the gym and he can lift probably more than anybody else, but he also doesn't know how to like properly diet kind of look. You know what I mean? He just eats yeah, anything yeah. and everything. I, I, I don't know what it is. Just like sort of that kind of like that look he's got. Something about this, and I'm going to use King Shark as an example, but this movie has a tendency to like, um, I feel like there's a lot, well, obviously this movie's over two hours. It's two hours and 12 minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's rated R, and I know that makes studios kind of wince a little bit. So I think that this movie is like, I'm going to think, I'm going to say this might be kind of a weird comparison. I'm not the one that made it originally. I think it was... Chris Stuckman uh, made this uh, made this made this example, but um, 
kind of remind me of kind of like of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to a certain extent, because it lets you build up to a joke. There are jokes that are kind of like teed off at an early point, and they just let it hear there. Like, for instance, like, you know, the, the whole Bruce Lee scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. that's there to build up to a big joke. Um, this has a lot of moments like that, whether it be the whole Milton thing. Like, there's that guy. Why is that yeah. guy even there? What's, yeah. oh, okay, it was for this joke you were getting. Yeah. And then there's the whole part with, like, um, even though it's not a joke, it's something that kind of, like, lets, lets the movie breathe and lets you build up on this character where I feel like a studio would be like, eh, don't do that. What's the point? Like, the whole part when, when um, King Shark goes in and sees, like, the alien jellyfish thing and becomes friends with them, and he's running from one side to the other, going back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's just a moment that really just endears you to that character and kind of really, like, makes you, like think of him less as always he's still stupid <laughs> but he like less he makes you think of less less him as the big dumb animal and more as a character and like yeah. that scene right there i think that would be something originally like why is this here in the middle of an action scene where this they just let it kind of happen you know yeah no it does have some good moments where like it almost just like has stuff where it's like okay we can have some moments too and we're not gonna always break it with a joke or something like that because that was always like i mean that's like sort of the guardians of the galaxy 2 problem was that you'll have some of these moments and then they'll throw a stupid joke right in right afterwards and it's like dude you just ruined a moment like come on dude like you know there's enough time for jokes throughout the movie you know don't break these moments i mean it's only happens a handful of times but it's a handful of times where it's like you you didn't need that there you just cut that one little line out and like it savors it like 10 times better yeah, or, or there's also this movie also builds up to a lot of fuck yeah moments too. Because there's the part when um, when Bloodsport when they're when they're when they finally turn around they're like you know what we're gonna do what we gotta do we're gonna save the day. And they turn around they all do it, and you're just the music's building up, and then Bloodsport sees Starro, and then he pulls out one gun. There's a guitar riff, dun, dun, like he, <laughs> and and like, the, the gun you know, keeps he, getting bigger. Yeah, and every time like you hear the riff, you think it's gonna be okay. Three riffs, it's probably gonna be good, but it goes on for like five or six riffs. And he just keeps on making this thing bigger, and every time he throws an attachment on it, it just becomes this massive fucking gun with like a rotate with a rotating like turret at the end of it. So, like, it, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. Like, I really think that I, I, I it's not my, I don't know if I call this my favorite. It's not my favorite of the DC universe movies, but it's definitely up there. It's like top two or three for me. Yeah, well, I don't, yeah, I don't know if it outbeats some Batman ones, but uh, oh, I'm talking about I'm, uh, just the the more recent ones, like the more like oh. in this connected universe one. Yeah. Oh, okay, I, I see what you mean there. Yeah, you because know, yeah, I actually liked it a lot more than I thought it was because you know, like you know, the first Suicide Squad, it's like that one. As I said, like at the first 45 minutes are great, and then it just kind of peters out. So it kind of makes that movie feel like oh, I remember going into it going like yeah, hell yeah, this could be one of the best one, and then you kind of come out, and then the the, the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey one. That one was just kind of okay. I just felt like that was kind of the, the weak one of them all. But this one kind of came back really strong. And it was just like, oh, man, just the whole way through. I mean, John Cena's character the whole way. You know, I mean, granted, at the end, there's that kind of turnaround where John Cena's there to finish the mission. And everybody else is starting to get kind of emotional and get feelings and so on like that. I felt like I was still like, I'm like, fuck it, John Cena, go shoot them all. <laughs> like, I was, I, was, I was at that point where I was just like, I'm like, dude, I, I I'm like, I, I know it doesn't seem nice, but, like, John Cena's got a point. He's got to finish the mission. You know what I mean? It's for, it's for freedom. No, Peace. I'm not there with you. I guess this is where, this is the part of it. If we're on this mission together, this are like, drop the hard drive. That, um, that's me right there. Yeah, see, I, I, don't, I don't let emotion get in the way, so I feel like I'm like, I get, I get what John Cena's doing. He, he's, he's doing, like, whatever it takes for freedom and peace. You know what I mean? Like, Even though it's, a, it's going to an organization that's making the same mistakes over and over and over again. 
But, you know, well, it's like one of those ones. I mean, that's only because of the way people write it. But you know what I mean? Like, it's one of oh, those yeah. ones of like, that doesn't need to go in. Uh, like, I get what John Cena said. Like, that doesn't need to go in the hands of like the regular people. They'll just freak out and it'll just make the situation 10 times worse. So it's like, you know, there. But it's okay. John Cena doesn't die. I was kind of bummed there when he did at first. I was like, oh, if John Cena dies, if I lose both Captain America and John Cena. But it's like, oh, or Captain America, Captain Boomerang. Captain America. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, like, <laughs> when was that? <laughs> the crossover already happened? Shit. Yeah, you know what I mean? But, like, like still, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, yeah, the, that, the John Cena character, that, that was who I was 100%, you know, for, because, you know, I, I felt like he would have fixed it all and so on. But, um, but yeah, no, it's still, a, even like, even with the kind of like the emotional turnaround in there and so on, like, it still makes for a badass action scene and they take out Starro and everything like that, you know. When those one people knock out Amanda Waller, I'm like, it's one of those ones like, well, you fucking do it. Like, that, like are, are you kidding? Like, you're going to all be like hung like tomorrow. <laughs> but somehow they're somehow they're there for the post credit scene. Yeah, so like, that part was guess, a little yeah. bit corny, but like I was like, well, those ones like if that happened in real like you know like Amanda Waller life, I guess a real Suicide one, like not movie universe. I feel like those people would be all dead. She'd have a brand new. They team. would be they yeah. being Guantanamo Bay by now. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no way you are gonna knock out Amanda Waller, and unless you're like Batman or something like that, you know, and get away with it. You know, it's going to have to take not the fucking lowly fucking computer programmer, the fucking Nedry of the room. <laughs> you know, it's one of those ones like, you know, if John Hammond would have got a hold of Nedry before he was attacked by the Lophosauruses, believe me, Nedry would still not be leaving that fucking island. <laughs> in a sense, Nedry Just got sneak up on John Hammond, hit John Hammond in that back of the head with his own cane. Yeah, yeah, because if, if anything, Nedry got off easy. You know what I mean? Who knows what John Hammond would have done? He had a lot of fucking free time on that island now, and like not like anybody's fucking watching. Yeah. Shit, they already covered up a bunch of dinosaur attacks at the beginning, anyways. They, no, no one's gonna miss a fat computer programmer. <laughs> Well, the room, the room suddenly stinks a lot less, so there you go. <laughs> but, um, but no, this one was overall very fun. Really enjoyed it. Um, great. The action, it's just super solid. And, yeah, it, it, it generally, even though like, it, has, it has a little bit of missteps in it, it's still, like, the overall picture kind of fires pretty darn well. And, um, yeah, I think this one might be almost one of those good, like, turning points in kind of movies. Um it's almost this, and it sounds weird, kind of this and the combo of Mortal Kombat, both of these movies doing really good. I think it's a good sign that um, we're going to get to a violent age again, where we don't have, you know, because you know what I mean? There's always like this flow where you get to the point where you get tons of violence and it's great, and then it goes back down to like, hey, let's make the movies PG-13 and safe and family friendly again, and then it goes back into the violence again. I feel like we're kind of back into like a violent wave, because it seemed like the last real big violent wave was like that give or take Grindhouse era you know, Rambo 4, you know, uh, uh, Punisher Warzone. When we, remember when we just used to get these, like, brutal rated R movies, and it was like, oh, yeah. And then it kind of, once the 2010 started hit, it went back to, like, the family-friendly zone again, you know. And I feel this might be a turning point, too. I mean, I know there's, like, you know, there's always, like, little ones. Like, there was Deadpool, and that kind of came, and that created, like, you know, Wolverine and so on. But then that didn't seem to last as long, and then it kind of dipped back down again. So hopefully that will bring a... A, a more resurgence of, you know, good violence in, like, you know, movies. Yeah, well, not not to split hairs on this. I think that, because unfortunately, this movie is not doing good right now, just because of, you know, the movie... This is like, it's pretty, they said this was, like, their second best one that they've had in those, um, the HBO Max launches. The, well, the HBO Max launches, but there's all this mixed things they're talking about. They're talking about box office-wise... This has not been doing good. Well, movie theaters, like... Just just let me finish my point. i got to finish my point first, dude. The thing is, 
I think that the way they're looking at it is, yeah, this did, um, this is doing good on HBO Max, but box office, it's looking bad. And it's because people brought up all these other different points that, oh, it's off a, it's a sequel to a movie that has almost the same name as the original, but no one liked the original. Also, it has all, it's also, it's like coming out during like the second resurgence of, you know, the pandemic, the, the secondary strain is, the Delta strain is coming out, all these things. But at the exact same time, Warner Brothers, I don't think, is looking at it as a big loss. Because I think, for once, they're actually looking at this in the long term. They're actually mm-hmm. looking at it as the HBO Max, and then they're also looking at it as possible Blu-ray DVD sales down the line. And they're saying, you know what, if this thing, if we do not have a fucking virus right now, this thing would be killing at the box office. So I think that's almost kind of the way they're viewing it. Like, yeah, we took a hit, but we're still making money on HBO Max. We're still making money over here, over there. <laughs> In the long term, I think this thing will hopefully sustain kind of like the second coming of cool, violent action movies. Yeah, because I think if it's one of those ones, like, I mean, like, yeah, it's like you go to, I mean, shit, like even Jungle Cruise, when I saw that fucking opening day and so on, that only had like 10 or 15 people in the theaters. Like, the, the you know, the average people are not going to the theaters as much. And I, I will say this, when you do have a movie on HBO Max at the same time, that, that already, that, like, you know, is going to, like, eliminate people from the theaters. You know, because there'll just be some people like, ah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of busy today. I'm going to watch it on here. Eh, you know, I mean, like, I need to save a couple bucks. We're going to watch it on here and so on like that. So that's going to kind of stop it. But, like, yeah, it's just – I just don't think, you know, the, the normal public's not going to the theaters yet. It's like it seems like when you go to the theaters nowadays, it's all the hardcore movie fans that are kind of there. I mean, which makes it nice. Don't get me wrong. I, I love, like, it not being that crowded when you go in there. But – um. It is one of those ones that's like, that's almost like, you almost can't even look at that. That's almost like the bonus cash nowadays, I feel, is in the movie theaters. That's kind of, you almost got to sort of figure, like, what's your other revenue is going to be with the movies and how you got to sort of change and adapt. Yeah, yeah. Well, on top of that, I mean, there's a period where we're just like, all right, we're just sitting on all these big movies. We got to get them out there somehow. We got to make, oh, you know what? We got the streaming service we just launched. Let's just, let's just fucking do it. What, what, what else, you know? But mm-hmm. at the exact same time, though, I think that's, um, I saw this one in theaters. I would have liked to see this one in theaters back home, but you know HBO Max isn't available here anyway. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's go see it. We have a we have a day off. Let's go. We have a day. We're not. I, this is actually my girlfriend's. My you, you go in there. The movie's all in Italian, and there's no subtitles. <laughs> no, we actually went to go see this because uh, we're uh, we, we went to the Netherlands because half her family's in the Netherlands, the other half is in Italy. So Netherlands first, we went to go see the movie, and they, like, if we saw it here, it would have been dubbed, but in the Netherlands, it is sub, it is subtitled. So I learned how to say fuck in Dutch, which yeah. is koot, which sounds like cunt, but huh. it's koot, you know. So either way, you're pissing somebody off. Yeah, exactly, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, because it's like, well, it's, weird. it's weird. If you say cunt in, like, the USA, people, like, look at you like you just said the worst word ever. I'm like, and I'm like, I'm just like, I'm so used to Guy Ritchie movies. It's like, it's, it's like every other <laughs> word of that thing. Like, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to be cool and British and walk around, like, and then you say it in real life in the U.S., and people just go, like, what the fuck did this guy just say? You know what I mean? Only like, Matthew McConaughey and the gentleman walk around with a paperboy hat and a pinstripe suit. Yeah, exactly, you know what I mean? Like, oh. It's amazing. I watched different. that on the, on the plane right over, and I was like, "Oh, they do so say good. cunt a lot in this movie. movie it's a good so movie. I dig that." Good, play. but um, yeah, but um, yeah, no, Suicide Squad, fun. You know, check it out by any means possible. Whether you watch it on HBO, whether you watch it on uh, uh cinemas, or if you want to get it on Blu-ray once that comes, because hell, this movie's kind of come out so quick now on Blu-ray. It's like two months later, it'll probably be out on Blu-ray. So you know, you got those probably, choices yeah. there too. But um, but yeah, no, I definitely think. 
it's a very strong mark for uh, comic book movies. I think hopefully it will kind of keep it going. And I think as long as they look at the right numbers, they'll see that this movie actually is performing pretty darn well, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So in long term, I think they, I think maybe for once they're actually looking, cause that's the thing about a lot of these, about a lot of movies, they just look at opening box office. And that's all they look at. Like maybe for once they're actually looking at long-term success, but who knows? Anyway, well, it's, it's like Black Widow. It's like shit. Seeing that movie on opening day, you know, generally a Marvel movie would have, you know, been if you saw it in cinemas would have been filled to the brim, you know, and there's probably like, you know, maybe 30 people in there. You know, when I went to see Suicide Squad, I uh, I went I it was like mm, it was like maybe like a little under 25 percent full. It was pretty empty. It was opening day for it, too. So it's like, ooh, that's too bad. But at the same time, you, you almost know, got to take like, it into account. Yeah. Yeah. You got got to take everything else into account with it. Because so. I just think nowadays it's like, you know, that that's still pretty good for nowadays because now it's like, you know, it's just, you're, you're not going to have everybody and, like, you know, their mother out there, like, at the theaters anymore. But, um, but yeah, check it out. Fun stuff. Uh, beyond all that good stuff, you can go to oldbanorange.com for podcasts, comic books like Pizza Boys, old animations, and all other kinds of fun stuff. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. We'll see you some other time. Later, folks.